Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 331. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Year of Music Art of Living interview series, we are celebrating Bob Dylan, and our guest today on the Not Old Better Show is Dr. Timothy Hampton, author of a new book about Dylan entitled Bob Dylan's Poetics. It's important to appreciate Dylan not as a pop star, but as an artist. He is a great modern artist because he constantly pushes the limits of what can be done in a popular song, in the same way that James Joyce pushed the limits of the novel, or Jackson Pollock pushed the limits of painting. And much of the political or social importance of his work lies in how he makes art, in the way he patches things together, what I call his poetics, that is, his way of making things because that's where we can watch him invent a new kind of American language for popular song. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Timothy Hampton, author of the new book about Bob Dylan titled Bob Dylan's Poetics. Really, what more can be said about Bob Dylan and what needs to be said? You know, it's true that almost every musician has performed a Bob Dylan song, Blowing in the Wind, The Times They Are a-Changin', and numerous other songs of his became anthems, expressing the feelings that young people were ready to make the world better and had the power to do so. Folk singer, rock singer, songwriter, poet, and Nobel laureate Bob Dylan has been something of an enigma since he first left Hibbing, Minnesota and emerged as a folk music hero in Greenwich Village in the early 60s. Knowing him, much less understanding him, has never been an easy task. Dr. Timothy Hampton, professor of literature at the University of California, Berkeley, believes the best way to understand Dylan is through his songs, which have frequently explored the political, philosophical, and social themes of his time. Drawing on his new book, Bob Dylan's Poetics, Dr. Timothy Hampton explores the interplay of music and lyrics to highlight Dylan's artistry, and he examines the relationships among form, genre, and the political and social themes that crisscross Dylan's work. Inspired by artists Woody Guthrie to Arthur Rimbaud, Dylan's lyrics helped him to win the Nobel Prize. But it is his highly personal dialogue with the music that elevated him to greatness. Dr. Timothy Hampton will be presenting Bob Dylan, Maker of Songs, at the Smithsonian Associates Program April 9, 2019 at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. Hampton's book, Bob Dylan Poetics, will be available for sale and signing. So please join me for our continued Smithsonian's Year of the Music series by welcoming via internet phone, Dr. Tim Hampton. Tim Hampton, we're talking today about Dylan. It is a pleasure to speak with you. I'm excited about this subject, but give us a little bit of a brief idea of what your presentation at Smithsonian Associates is going to be like. Great. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Um, so uh, I've written a book that argues that the best way to grasp Dylan's work is not by thinking about his biography uh, or uh, in a kind of larger cultural history, but by focusing more on the nuances of the songs, by trying to look at them very carefully. Uh, Dylan is often thought of as a figure who is kind of long on inspiration and has a lot of ideas and certainly a lot of words in his head, but who doesn't pay too much attention to the actual craft of writing. Um, as you know, many of the songs are very long. The rhymes are often very ragged. Uh, the diction is often very slurred. And it's easy to forget that he's an extremely nuanced and careful writer. So I wanted to bring attention to those nuances. 
So at the Smithsonian Associates uh, event, I'm going to make that case, and I'm going to offer some examples of why I think the songs deserve to be looked at as closely as we would look at uh, the novels of Toni Morrison or the paintings of David Hockney. And there will certainly be people in the audience who know Dylan's work as well or better than I do, and most folks will have a passing knowledge. So what I'm uh, hoping is that we can have a conversation, which is always the best way to go. Yes, a, a good way to go, and certainly a great great way to proceed together today here. Again, I'll just gush. This is a great subject, and I think that uh, the audience there is going to be very excited about it, too, just as our audience listening today will be. And I like the way you, re- you, you refer to Dylan as this nuanced artist. I, I tend to use the word enigma. I found that a lot in my research. Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe it's better to say nuance. And so what was it that you think inspired Dylan to be so nuanced? Well, he comes out of a number of traditions. Um, you know, he grew up on rock and roll in the 50s. Uh, he had a great interest in Buddy Holly whose lyrics uh, are often themselves a bit mysterious and kind of off kilter, if you listen to them carefully, in ways that Dylan's are. Um, And he also listened to a lot of what used to be called country and Western music. Now they call Mm. it country music. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of Hank Williams, uh, who was the kind of master of of passion and heartbreak. Um, And he came of age uh, and began listening to the music of Woody Guthrie and the bus, Dust Bowl ballads of Woody Guthrie. And that put him in touch with a kind of left-wing progressive folk song tradition that was very interested in American history and retelling the stories of earlier generations. Um, and that's where he first made his name. And what I find most amazing about him is the way in which he's been able to absorb all of these influences. So there's everything in Dylan's songs. I mean, there are bits of poetry, there are citations of Jack Kerouac and F. Scott Fitzgerald. There are lines from film scripts. There are phrases from old folk songs and blues. And uh, I think it's his ability to combine this material that makes him special. I think of him as a kind of collage artist uh, who is open to a vast array of material and pastes it together, juxtaposes things often in startling ways. And part of that juxtaposition is, I think, one of the ways in which his lyrics um, often seem oblique and and difficult to pin down. I mean, I remember when I first heard the famous song, Just Like a Woman, um, which begins with a line that says something like, uh, nobody feels any pain tonight as I stand inside the rain. And I remember when I was, I must have been 15, and I thought, what, is, what does that mean, inside the rain? Nobody says inside the rain. You say, I stand in the rain. But Dylan takes that word and turns it into turns in the rain to inside and and gives it a kind of dimension that you wouldn't otherwise expect. And it's that ability to kind of put you off balance that um, I think contributes to much of the mystery of his lyrics, which is why, as you, you call him, a kind of an enigma. And I think there is that enigmatic aspect to his work. In your excellent book, Bob Dylan's uh, Poetics, you really do explore this interplay between music and lyrics to highlight Dylan's artistry. What are maybe some of the songs that that we might know that do that best? Well, we could think of um, one of his most famous songs, Like a Rolling Stone, from, uh, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, 1965, I'm sorry. Um, And, you know, that's a song that uh, is about a young woman who has been high on the social hierarchy and has now fallen. Um, 
it's a before and after song. Uh, it begins with once upon a time, like a fairy tale. And then the second half of each verse tells us what's happening now. So once upon a time you did this, now you do that. So it's a before and after song, as I say. Um, and the melody of the song is pretty um, simple in that it's based mostly on a repetition of a single word or of a single note, um, uh, especially at the beginning. But what's interesting about it is that against that repeated melody note, the harmony of the song moves a great deal. And if you listen to the record, the famous recording, you can hear that the band is actually moving up the major scale from a, a, a from a, a chord built on C to a chord built on D to a chord built on E, so on and so forth. And they do that a number of times, um, leading to a kind of crisis moment. And then when you get to the second half of the verse, when he's talking about how the girl has fallen from her earlier social position, the band moves back down the scale. So the band is going up and down the scale, uh, and there's a kind of tension between that extraordinary, very beautiful movement um, against the the kind of one-note melody. And it, it's, I also have the feeling that the band is in some ways tracing out the process of rise and fall, which is what the story is about. In other words, the band is doing what the song is talking about. And um, that seems amazing to me. And I think if we don't pay attention to those kinds of nuances in the recording, we miss a lot of what's going on in the song. And, and, and without that movement in the harmony of the song, the song would be much less than it is. We're talking to Tim Hampton today. Tim Hampton is going to be at the Smithsonian Associates Program coming up April 9th, uh, 2019. Uh, Tim Hampton has written the wonderful book, Bob Dylan's Poetics. Going to be talking about Bob Dylan at the Smithsonian presentation. Uh, coming up in Washington, D.C. We're talking to Tim Hampton today in Berkeley, California. But, uh, Tim, we really appreciate your time. It's such a pleasure to talk to you about this nuanced artist, Bob Dylan. We will learn a lot at this presentation. And interesting to me to hear you say, you describe him a little bit like Kerouac and F. Scott Fitzgerald. I think those are really important ways to kind of understand this artist. Another important element about Dylan is that he famously won the Nobel Prize. And... We we think of Dylan as maybe focused on political, philosophical, you know, the kind of these themes maybe that, that F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about, the Kerouac, but you think it was the lyrics that were the impetus for the Nobel Prize, or was it this ability to touch on social themes, and or was it something else? Well, uh, that's the great question, isn't it? Uh, my memory of the Nobel citation is that they mentioned something like his creative reinvention of American song forms. I mean, I'm paraphrasing there. And that seems about right uh, to me. Uh, I mean, there are many historically sensitive um, writers and singers around. And, and I think at one level, I think we can think of Dylan as a kind of historical poet, really. Um, uh, but there are many historically sensitive singers around uh, who often try to imitate earlier singers or resuscitate earlier traditions as they think they were. Um, Dylan doesn't do that. He takes from everything that comes into his attention and draws on it and transforms it. In other words, he always makes something new. And we remember that the poet Ezra Pound said as his watchword was make it new. And I think that's what Dylan really does. So that he doesn't pretend to sing the blues in the way that an old blues singer would do it. He uses the blues and he transforms the blues as he sings the blues. 
So I don't think that it's as a pure poet, as someone who writes words on the page, that he would warrant a prize like the Nobel Prize. I think of him more as someone working with several media to make something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. And in that regard, he really stands quite apart. Um, he's a bit more in line with some of the dramatists, maybe, who have won the Nobel Prize and who work with, let's say, rhythm and scene and movement as much as with language. Um, uh, so he's just working in a different medium from a traditional literary artist like Hemingway or, or Pablo Neruda, who both won the Nobel. And, and, and I think he's in touch with a different tradition, a tradition of spoken poetry, of street poetry, of performance, which has its own distinguished history, but it's not often acknowledged by the literary establishment. Really a, an honor, certainly, to uh, have won that, that citation, the Nobel Prize for, for Dylan. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'm going to draw a parallel today that may be a little bit obscure for you, Tim Hampton. We're talking to you in Berkeley. Yes. One of my favorite uh, songs is Forever Young. Um, that was a song that was, I think, readapted for the television show Parenthood that took place in Berkeley. <laughs> so maybe kind of eight degrees of separation there for you. But I wonder, do, do you have a favorite uh, Dylan song? Well, there, there are bucketfuls of Dylan songs. And, and I, mm -hmm. I, I go um, around and around. I, I couldn't give you a favorite. There are certain songs that speak to me at particular moments mm -hmm. uh, or, or albums that speak to me at particular moments. Um, for example, I've been recently listening to an album called Infidels, which Dylan released in 1983. It's a kind of an uneven album, but it, uh, it's uh, full of songs about corruption in the public sphere, about the dishonesty of those in power, hmm. about greed. And um, some of those songs sound to me like they could have been written yesterday. <laughs> They're extraordinarily right. powerful. And um, so there are certain moments in his career that just... Um, spring up from the past and speak to you. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think is amazing. Again, I, I think it, an interesting thing about Dylan is that unlike virtually everyone in his generation, he's not at all a nostalgia artist. I mean, you would never go to a Dylan concert um, hoping to hear the same versions of the songs that you heard in 1965 or 1975. He's re he constantly reworks things and he does things anew every time. And that's why you go to the concert to see what the surprise is going to be and not to hear him play his hits. Do we have a Dylan today? Because, you know, as you were, you were talking about the just the timeless nature of some of his music, I, I was thinking the same thing, so appropriate for, so apropos of, of today. We don't seem to have a, a folk singer, a rock singer, a poet in kind of that combined way in which Dylan uh, was, was so... Uh, uh, effective and powerful? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the music business has changed and the media mm -hmm. landscape is fra fractured in such ways that it's really impossible for anyone to have the same kind of power um, and the same kind of influence that he had, um, especially in the middle of the 1960s, but also even in the 1970s. Um, on the other hand, I think his work uh, really after 1989, I mean, starting in the early 1990s, he released a whole sequence of records, uh, beginning with an album called Time Out of Mind, that are just extraordinary. And they're often not that well known to people who were who familiar with his earlier work. And I think that music is extraordinarily powerful and speaks very directly to the present moment, uh, to the desolation in the heartland, to the crisis of memory and belonging that seems to haunt the country right now. So I think in that regard, much of his recent work remains very pertinent. Um, 
and very relevant to us. I, but I don't see anybody coming along to replace him. But at the same time, I think one of the fun things now is, uh, and going forward, will be to watch the ways in which the new generation of musicians coming up or people trained in a much different soundscape, a digital soundscape of sampling and mixes and all these kinds of things. It's going to be interesting to see the ways in which they continue to use his, his uh, work and transform it. And so I think uh, as we go forward, I think he's, his songs are only going to continue to grow in stature. Tim Hampton, professor of literature at the University of California, Berkeley, will be at the Smithsonian Associates Program April 9th, 2019. We're going to welcome you to Washington, D.C., Tim Hampton, but what a pleasure it's been to talk to you today. Your book, Bob Dylan's Poetics from MIT Press, will be available for sale and signing at the presentation. I just encourage my audience to check out this particular presentation. It'll be a wonderful one. But Tim Hampton, thank you so much for your time today. Well, my thanks to you, Paul. It's been a great pleasure. For me, too. Remember, Dr. Tim Hampton will be presenting Bob Dylan, Maker of Songs, at the Smithsonian Associates Program, April 9th, 2019, at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. Hampton's book, Bob Dylan's Poetics, will be available for sale and signing. To learn more about the presentation and for ticket details, please click on the link in our notes. Thanks to Dr. Tim Hampton for joining me today, and thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Natal Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.